Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Mortal Engines, directed by Christian Rivers and released in 2018. The plot of Mortal Engines goes something like this. A young woman hell-bent on revenge teams up with a band of outcasts to take on a giant predator city on wheels. It's funny, this sort of... That's that plot summary sort of takes out the point of view character or one of the main point of view characters quite a bit, doesn't it? Anyway, oh, what's his name? Cutie yeah. Pie. What's his name? I think luminous he's the, face. I believe he's the main character in the book. But anyway, um, uh, oh, Robert I just, Sheen. Oh, I just assume she was. No, right. Um, okay, no, so um, um, yes. Yeah, so we'll do the spoiler-free bit up front, and we'll warn you when we're going to talk spoilers about Mortal Engines. Sorry. Yeah. I have a feeling we have different opinions on whether or not you should see this. Yes. <laughs> because I did not enjoy it. And I actually quite did, surprising myself and everyone else. Look, I don't think it's particularly original. It, it does draw on a lot of other things, but I was never bored. I had a really good time watching it. I'm interested in the world. Um, mm. got me interested in the world a bit more. And apparently I assumed the girl was the main character, but apparently I was wrong. Look, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it was enjoyable enough. Um, and yeah, it definitely has me more interested in the world of it. Yeah. The movie did want make me want to read the books. Yeah, 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 definitely. But mostly because I feel like this would be a good case for the books being better than the movie. <laughs> um, because I didn't enjoy the movie. I thought it was too busy and too much and they were doing a lot of that to cover up the fact that it was not very good like it's not just that the story is derivative that some of the writing is really on the nose in ways that got me I found myself really irritated by a lot of the choices that were being made and frustrated about the way the story was being told and wanting to get to you know the next thing and I just didn't find it very enjoyable um it was just big and loud and busy CGI with not much to say and I I there's a weird thing where like the whole thing of this is supposed to be about the scale of these moving cities and all this sort of thing. And I never felt it, which is really strange. Like I was not, I don't know whether it was like how it was shot or what it was, but there were only a couple of things which were in the trailer that were like, wow, this is really big. And the whole rest of the time, I just never really kind of, it, it didn't ever feel real to me. This world that was being created on screen never felt real and authentic to me. And that was, I think, my biggest problem in really accessing it. So, yeah, in my opinion, I wouldn't go see it. I definitely wouldn't go see it again, but you liked it, so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did feel the scale of the cities. I did think that it's hard to sustain. The opening scenes are quite good at showing that. And there's a couple of other bits where they – you know, end up in the tire tracks of the cities that kind of give you an idea of scale mm. that I thought were quite well done. But I can understand that it, it is very much it was all shot on set. Like mm. it was, it's so there's a lot of CGI and Christian Rivers. This is I think this is his first movie, and he's a well known visual effects person. He's a wetter guy, and so definitely there is a lot of reliance on that kind of stuff, which can add to his sense of artificiality. Mm. about it um which i can see but yeah i look I, I just thought it was fun i um the it reminded me a lot of star wars in a lot of ways like, oh it's very star wars <laughs> they, in ways that we'll probably talk about more when we go into spoilers but and in the kind of fun way that i enjoyed so yeah i, I, I didn't mind this one at all so we might start on spoilers now yeah so if you haven't seen mortal engines and you either want to or you don't want to because you've heard us talk about it pause the podcast now and come back when you have yeah, so 
Okay, there's something that we need to probably get out of the way. Yeah, early all right. So let me so set, you a can set a timer. Um, so the, the scar issue we're going to talk about, and I'm going to set like I don't know five minutes to talk about the scar issue. Okay, so a little background for people who don't know: in the book, the main ca- oh, the main character of the movie, who I think is secondary in the book, is called Hester Shaw, mm-hmm. and she um was scarred as a child by the main villain of the film. In the book, she has, like, the scar goes across one eye. She only has one eye. She has, like, a stump of a nose and it goes right across her face. In the movie, she has a little cheek scar and a little chin scar and that's it. And it is, like, it's not just, I mean, it's it's the only thing I knew about this movie. It was the first thing I knew about this movie because stories about it were everywhere that people was, were really excited to see Hester to start with. Mm. People who read the books love her. Right, she is a very much beloved character. They were so excited to see her. They were so disappointed when the reveal happened, and she looked like that. Mm. And that's kind of the biggest thing I knew. And it's a lot of people are really disappointed by it on a story pers- from a story perspective, as well as from like a, a disability visibility well, facial differences disability kind of mm. um, perspective. But also, it doesn't work in the context of the movie because everybody keeps treating her like she's got this massive scar across her face. And it's silly. It comes across as silly, especially in this one scene where there's a slave trader and he's just sold this old woman for more than he tries to sell Hester for, even though Hester is young and very attractive apart from her minor cheek scar. And he's talking about her like she's the ugliest thing anybody has ever seen. It comes across as so unbelievable That was the and silly. only scene where I noticed it. I didn't notice – like people – that people would comment. Like, I think it was the lady who kidnaps hmm. them comments on it. I didn't notice it anywhere else, and she is obviously a very pretty girl. And there's also this movie has a real visual difference between people who are the main characters and who are not. Like the, the extras are all really grey, mm. greyed out in this way, and the main characters have got a lot of colour about them. So yeah, it, it is it is very silly. So yeah, on the scar, I um I will link in the show notes to a friend of mine, Carly Findlay, who writes a lot about people who have visible differences because she uh, has a disability that makes her look very different. And so she's involved in that community and writes a lot about this and more. And I think, yeah, there's there's probably quite a bit of disappointment in particularly among people who do have severe facial disfigurements. But I do think also what Carly's written about a lot is that people with scars and facial differences often are the villain. Mm. Um, the recent Wonder Woman movie is an example of that. And I do think there is something to be said for a woman with a scar, even a relatively minor scar. It's still a scar. You can still see it everywhere, every time you see her. Um, there is something to be said for the person with the scar not being the villain and, in fact, being the main character. But how much better would it have been if it sure. had been bigger? Oh, no, I totally I agree. And not even like, okay, it does look cool to have her with the, the mask over her face and the two mm. eyes, right? Like I get that that's an interesting visual, mm-hmm. but you could still kind of do it so that her nose was more affected so that it was a lot more obvious than it is in the film. Because it is – it. I, there's also things like the first time Tom sees her, he gasps like she's got it. Like his first reaction to her is as like they, I the way that they was because he thought she was hot. No, the, the way, way they film it, it is like because it's the way they do the camera work, the way they do the uh. music, the way they do all that stuff. You're meant to be reacting in a way as though she is very obviously disfigured, right? Okay, like yeah, no, it the... seemed to me like he was just a guy with the crush on this redhead I think, and also she's trying to kill someone he doesn't want her to kill yeah but it's it's that moment when the yeah. scarf comes off her face and yeah. the music goes and it's like and this happens every time like 
and, and you didn't see this as well. And you were looking at your notes, which is fine. But there's, um, you know, when um, Shrike, her Terminator the Terminator, daddy, yeah, yeah. Um, has that robot that he was going to put her in. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment when they do a cross, not a crossfade, but like a, um, they superimpose that over Hester's face. Yes. And it fades out. And as it's fading out, you see for a moment Hester with like a like perfect yeah. face and then it fades to Hester's real face and she's got the scar and it's supposed to be so mm. dramatic and it's never and I mean this whole movie has this problem with never nothing ever feeling very real and mm. that's a really good moment of it because you're like but it's mm. you know it's just not like it doesn't have that impact and they do a really good job I thought of building the relationship between Tom and Hester mm. as like you know she's so um, defensive and she's so walled off and he breaks down those walls and they help each Mm. other out. And that would have been so much more effective, I think, if she had looked much more different. Yeah. Because she doesn't look that different to everybody else, especially in a a post-apocalyptic future world where there's... Probably heaps people with scars. Exactly. It's just... it. I'm Yeah. So we'll... I won't mention it for the rest of the No, no, it's podcast, fine. But well, it doesn't ca- work. I want to finish the conversation though. Okay, yeah, I just – it was one of those things I just kind of didn't – I mean, obviously I noticed there was a scar on her face and I could see it, but it was – once we kind of got into it, I just sort of – I didn't notice people reacting to it as mm. much. Um, and, and, I, and also because she is so pretty and striking and has that bright red hair and she's, she's styled quite red, not as red as um, the yeah. Anna Fang, the most amazing character who we'll get to in a minute, the Han Solo of the piece – but she's kind of striking. But And I also knew the scar was coming. I knew what it looked like. I mm. wasn't, like, surprised by it at all. Mm. The, yeah. One of the posters is is her face, face with the thing. The, the red bandana, yeah. And it says, some scars never heal. So they're selling the movie on the scar that isn't in it. Mm. But also the last thing I want to say about it is Peter Jackson specifically said that they didn't put the scar in the movie, partly because they didn't want to draw, you know, that to be the focus of attention, which I think is silly because it's very much part of like the focus of her character well, in the books. Yeah, and But he- also because he was like, oh, it won't be believable for him to fall in love with her if she's too ugly. Which yeah. is gross and sexist. And ableist. And um, ableist, and yeah. And the problem with that is, and this is where we get into, um, like, people who have a facial scar and a visual difference don't get the choice of toning it down to look prettier mm. for the audience or for um, – so I didn't no, I didn't see that interview, but I watched one with him just the other day where he said something about we want people to stop noticing it. Um, Christian Rivers said a similar sort of thing. Christian Rivers was also worried about his rating. But it's sort of – that's the bit that's like – really horrible because if you have a facial scar that's bad you don't get that luxury of walking around in the world with a face that's like acceptable to people yeah and 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 that could be really upsetting i guess you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't say we're gonna have this character with a facial difference and everybody's gonna react to her like she looks really ugly but we're gonna make her pretty enough that you know that the main character can believably fall in love with her and the audiences won't notice it too much you don't get to do that Mm. It's it's also it's cruel to this character that people love. I think part of it for me is that I have that very like you know protective feeling towards characters. Mm. Like that I'm like this is so much a part of who she is in this book, and people love her so much, and you've yeah. kind of taken that away from her in a really obvious way that is also harmful to a lot of people. But they want this, you know, they want to have the scar in it for the yeah, story. Yeah, they want to be like we're so woke, but also we're only like a little bit woke. She's still thin and beautiful, and not you know she has two eyes. But you can and yeah. you, you can't do the story without it because she isn't who she is without it. But they toned it down so much that it. 
I think it's awful. Yeah. And it really colors my enjoyment of the film because I know that the filmmakers did something so awful to this main character who's so beloved and who is like the soul of this film. Yeah. And whereas I'm not in, I don't know anything about the books or the the fan community, so I'm not so in that stuff. So I did exactly what they wanted me to do, which was that I forgot about it. Like I forgot that was a thing and I just was like, this is how it is in the movie. But she doesn't get to forget about it, does she? Well, that bought the reality of the movie, of her looking the way she does in the movie and just was like, okay, and moved on. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you you do that though. You you have you can kind of have a whole film coloured by one thing. I can't. I, also, in a way that were, I don't There get. were plenty of other problems I had with this movie anyway. Mm. So, but. Um, yeah. Okay. So, cool. I yeah. think we've probably done 10 minutes on Scar, so we can probably Oh, I wrap. thought you were timing. I didn't I even was, notice. Well, no, I stopped the timer and then um, I, yeah, I just wanted to wrap up the conversation. Okay. So, yeah, no, but, but we've probably done Scar now. So we're going to go on to the rest of the movie, which mm-hmm. this is where we probably have more differences because I quite enjoyed it and you had some problems. Yes, from the opening, literally from the opening exposition dialogue, mm-hmm. which is spoken by Shrike, who is I think probably the second most interesting character. It's actually in this- not. It's spoken by Colin Salmon. I know. It doesn't sound like it, but that's who's credited for it. But why then is he – unless I don't Colin know. Salmon did the voice of Shrike the whole time, why well, does he have the strange accent and the I, grinding noise? I have many – we have many, many questions. We look this up afterwards and I'm like, but wait, what? Unless it's like Colin Salmon many years later, like looking back. It's very confusing. It sounds like Shrike. I'm pr- I, I thought it was Shrike. It's does certainly- Colin Salmon turn into one of those Terminator things? He, maybe book? he does. In the, in- that would make sense, but we don't get that yeah, in this yeah. movie. <laughs> So it's a character, like, because it's clearly not that character. So who is doing this opening in this very, very specific voice that's so grindy and so heavily accented that Mm. it made it so hard to understand? And why would you choose to have an opening exposition in a voice like that when people can't understand it properly? And you can't Mm. see the face, so you can't, you know, read the lips to understand what he's saying. It's very hard to understand and very confusing. I I think the sound mix in this film is not good because there's a bunch of lines that, like, there's lines you wrote down that I didn't hear. um, (laughs) And there are lines that, like, there were lines that I just was hard to hear. It was hard to hear what was going on. Like, the sound of the action was turned up. And there's probably some deliberateness in that because they were trying to make, the like when you're on the city there's always rumbling mm. wheels and all that kind of thing so you kind of notice it but it was also it made things like that very hard yes and that opening voiceover was hard too because it was very lord of the ringsy too yeah um except okay. like not beautiful dulcet tones of kate blanchett but like the world has changed yeah. i feel it yeah. in the water yeah. yeah and it was like in the air you know grrr, all that stuff grrr. i can't actually remember what he said no because you can't understand it and that's yeah. The f- also the first example of this very much aping Lord of the Rings, not like, you know, being inspired by it, but mm. like trying to copy it and not doing as when, well. Uh, yeah, and the, the um, what should have been the cold open was the scene with the, like the smaller, the, you know, London sucking up the smaller um, mining town. mining towns, like colonising, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was really effective to me, especially the whole colonising bit where they absorb these little towns and then they treat the immigrants terribly and all that kind of stuff. Like that was really interesting and impactful to me and I really enjoyed that scene. Um, but it came after this like weird exposition and, and I don't know this series at all and I imagine most of the audience doesn't because this isn't a super famous one. Like I keep getting mm. it mixed up with the, you know, the ones by the plagiarist that's got a really Mortal similar instruments. In Yeah. So um, I don't think this is plagiarized in the way that Mortal Instruments is, but it's very um, like 
derivative of a lot of other things. Mm. So you get that Lord of the Rings opening and then you've got the real Star Wars feel of the whole whole film and mm. like yeah, but that, I did enjoy the way it. And opened. there's some YA stuff in there that oh, feels yeah, a bit yeah. derivative. But yeah, yes. um, the, the but I think I would have been much more impacted in that scene had I not seen it twenty times in the trailer, as well. Yeah, right. Because I've seen that trailer so many times. It's all over YouTube. It was in front of movies we saw. So like the most impactful scene in the movie in terms of the spectacle and size is already something that everybody is familiar with we already know hmm. this big london city is going to eat up the little city right mm. yeah and um, the, the be- and honestly the best bits of that were things that reminded me of rogue one which is her running through the small town tra- when they when they're about to be attacked and then him running through london you want to talk about like- little things that ruin movies for me she's running through that small town as it's being packed up by yeah, cgi yeah. behind her and i'm like Everybody would die. Everybody would be knocked around by bits of metal yeah, and I, fall I off was, things and yeah. be jostled around and die. I was wondering about that. Like, you would, if this was real, surely you would, like, go and strap yourself into something for something like this. Not just be mm. running through this. And then they do the same thing again when she's in the big city and they run through the engine. And I'm like, how? If there's, there's sores everywhere that are going to cut. You would die. Yeah. There's so many times that everybody should be dead in this movie that, like, already in the first two scenes, my disbelief is out the window, mm. you know? Like, my suspension of disbelief is is just mm. – I, I can't suspend disbelief that much. And it's because it relies so much on CG. Yes, yeah. If there was any kind of realistic feeling about that, you'd be like, oh, this is tense. But because it's so unrealistic, you're like, this isn't tense. They'll survive anything now. And they do. Like it's crazy. It's just crazy. Mm. So yeah, I already. I, I mean, when it was the big city chasing the little city, it looked cool, and the big doors and everything were yeah. quite effective. But I also think that in terms of filmmaking, you know, there's that moment in Lord of the Rings when you see the Argonath, the big wig white statues of the men mm. going yes. down the river. Yes. There was never a moment in this movie with giant cities that I felt scale as much as I did in that scene of two big statues. Yeah. Like they come up to that and it's built with the music and it's slow and they come around the corner and it's mm. the mm, big, you know, yeah. and you're like, oh, wow. And they go pan up it. From it's nice and slow and you can kind of get to wallow in it. Right. Which doesn't, this movie doesn't do. There's no mm. slow. It does not do slow. No. <laughs> it doesn't Very do. much like wants to keep you watching. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you don't, I don't get bored. Definitely there is that to it, but it definitely wants to keep you going all yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, I almost got bored because it was so much all the time mm. and there weren't many breaks for me, you know, so I almost got bored just like, yeah, whatever, get on to the next thing. Yeah. So it's too kinetic, but also like I think maybe because Christian Rivers is such a new director, he doesn't have a good sense of how long to build a scene, build tension in a scene for and stuff. He mm. just kind of throws it all at you. Yes. And so I never feel that tension build. So you never feel the release of the tension and yeah. stuff like that. And there which are is... other bits that he leaves too long to answer. Like I, there's a couple of times where I asked questions that were eventually answered but kind of took a bit too long mm. to answer. So, yeah, that that kind of knowing how to really pace a scene. Um, and the exposition. Yeah. The exposition. Once we get on to London and we get Tom talking to Kate in the museum and he goes – Exposition, 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 exposition. I mean, like all of it was just completely went over my – he's not even in shot. Like it's not on his face as he talks. It's through windows and all this stuff and yeah. it just went over my head. Oh. oh. He was like talking about the history of the cities and blah, 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 I blah, I liked blah. all that stuff because that was where I was learning about the world. But yeah, then I, I wanted to learn but I couldn't – the world. 
it was so fast and I was still trying to process the yeah. thing that had happened before and I and was then like, there whatever, was the, I'm done. the guy who thought he was should have been more evil than he was, who was like peeking through the window. Or more prominent. Yeah, I mean, he do, it does come back. But um, he's like kind of minor league. In the Very end. minor league, yeah. Um, anyway, even though he looks like he's truly evil. But he also, <laughs> and this was really confusing to me at first, he looks like, physically looks like the plumber from downstairs, the Irish plumber. I don't know what his name was. Okay. Who, who actually is a good guy. It took me a minute because they just physically looked so alike. I was like, is it the same actor? It's not. Um, um Yeah. I feel like this movie also thought it was really, really clever in its references to things that are happening now that yeah, made not- <laughs> me groan. That was a, I wrote that down. There's a Minions joke, mm. which made me groan. And then there's another thing where there's like a smashed phone and he was like, oh, it seems like, you know, people didn't even know how to write anymore. And I'm like, there's still books. Yeah. People still write. You can still buy books. Oh, so now the bits that I thought were a bit unsubtle were when they talk about um, parents and children might yeah. be separated. And then there's they're talking about uh, to when humans turn the weapon on themselves. And she was like, why would a civilization do that to themselves when they know it's going to, you know, it's going to mean the end of the world? Like that was a bit unsubtle. And then later on, some the establishment British guy, the mayor, says we should, never should have gone into Europe. Mm. Which is like, uh-huh. Yeah, like really, really unsubtle. And, um, yeah, I wrote the children maybe temporarily separated yeah. from parents' line as well. Yeah. yeah, in terms of the politics, it was also quite unsubtle, but that's fine. It's a young adult yeah, yeah. thing. Which and that yeah, happens. for young adult things, I think they should be a little less subtle. Yeah, because they need to know. Right. Yeah. But, like, the jokes were more like, uh-huh, see, we, you know, minions are popular at the moment and people yeah. use their phones a lot and young people these days don't write anything. I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's dumb. Like, you know, maybe if technology – we will lose a lot when technology goes, but there's, yeah. there is still books and, like, even yeah. print newspapers and things that will – you know, there's yeah. still history from yeah, this time. Yeah, it's not much. Like, we're not going to have letters left behind, which is what a lot of historians rely on. But that's okay. You know, we'll, there'll be different things. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, those were a bit, like, very heavy-handed. But there might be a lot of, like – you know, printed memos from government things. It's not like all of them have gone. No, We've hit, true. We have heaps of those still. Yeah. It's, so um, much is still in paper. So. Still, yeah, we never lost it all completely. No. Um, yeah. I wrote a lot of things like when, you know, when they're running through that town and it's getting all cut up, I wrote the town looks like a model. Yeah. Like you could see that it was a model being shot with CG added to it. <laughs> It didn't have that kind of sense of realism. And I think if we're going to go Lord of the Rings, one of the things that made Lord of the Rings so magical is that they had so many different ways of doing something. Mm -hmm. Like they had practical effects where they chopped up tables and moved the whole camera around the room to make everybody look different sizes. They had matte paintings. So they'd have a model, a matte painting, and a bit of CG to make something look real. And they spent all that time on each shot to make it look real. So, of course, then they wanted to show it off so they'd have the longer shots. This one wanted you to get past those things as quick as possible because it knew it didn't look good. Yeah, and honestly, in terms of inflation – Lord of the Rings' budget was about three times what this was. Like by modern blockbuster standards, this was done on the cheap mm. for about $100 million, which you make it that way you will. And you you can see that in the mm. fact that, that it is very CG mm. all the time. Yeah, I think that's very noticeable. Whereas Lord of the Rings spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of like actually using locations well and all that mm. sort of thing as well in ways that, that yeah, this – 
didn't. I think the only times it ever really looked good was in like the air battle stuff. Yes, the the planes. Mm. So when after Anna Fang's plane, holy is be- crap. It looks like one of those Chinese um, ships. Mm. It, it's so beautiful. And then her whole crew each has like really distinct planes. Yep. And when they all get together and they fly to the wall – yeah, like, that was beautiful. Well, also the the um, Death Star scene where they yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. take on the city is beautiful. Yes, like the um, lasers going through the air and stuff mm. looks really good. not as good as in something like even Fury or Star Wars. Yeah, um, but cool. still the most visually effective. I yeah. think is and- is anything to do with the air except the sky whale. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm skipping ahead, but like there's a town in the sky that's like a sanctuary town mm-hmm. that's made up of a lot of balloons. And I suppose if you put a bl- lot of balloons together, it would look like that. But to me, it just looked like this Australian, like Canberra um, hot air balloon, hot air balloon that was a whale with all of these like boobs hanging, <laughs> like eight boobs hanging yep. off it. And that's all I could see when I saw that city. It just kind of looks, yeah. It, it also kind of looks a bit ugly. Like, yeah, they didn't try to make it prettier or cooler looking which yeah. is weird i thought that about a few things though and i was like why does it look like that the weapon the purple pulse weapon is so strange doesn't mm. fit into the world at all and looks quite ugly mm. it kind of looks like a video game like something and um something anachronistic popping up in a video game that's Mm. You know, set in a different time or something like that, almost. Yeah, well, yeah. And next to all the steampunk that yeah, they've exactly. got, because it's like a 1980s computer. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I did like how it looked when it fired, though. That was really cool. The purple. Yeah. Although I was having trouble, like, because it shoots straight into the wall, and I'm like, how are they escaping this? Yes. Um, <laughs> but they did, and people survived even after it hit the wall twice. Um, yes. But yeah, but that said, Anna Fang is like best i'm very mad that they killed her off although maybe she didn't she's not die. dead i refuse to believe it we didn't see her die God, so she she's fine amazing yeah but yeah in, in the star wars analogy she's han solo uh blue eyes is, is princess leia and um and the main girl is luke right so hester is luke tom who's Robert tom Sheehan is Le- leia and is leia. anna is han solo yeah although i think the love interest is between anna and hester not anna and tom <laughs> But she's, oh, my God, she's so amazing. But it isn't. It's clearly between Hester and Tom. I know. Which means it's between brother and sister. Hooray. <laughs> I know. Anyway, but I have, like, never been so excited as I was when Anna Fang turned oh, up. she's the She best. just lifts this movie. And, and I love that she's, like, butch and Asian and all in red all the time. And she's so cool. Not much into camouflage. No, she's great. <laughs> no, she is. She is so cool and so wonderful and, like, yeah, I, I mean, she's definitely the coolest character in this movie mm. and you just want a lot more of her. You just want to follow her. Yeah, she's amazing. She also um, gets the best line about being late for church. She does. She actually gets what I think are the only good lines in the movie. Like she tells Tom that he's an idiot and all these other things that I was like, yes, Anna Fang, you are the best, whereas everybody else has terrible lines, especially Hugo Weaving and Tom who have the cheesiest, worst lines. (laughs) They have to do a lot of the heavy lifting on the exposition too. They do, but also like uh, skipping back to the beginning, just as soon as Hugo Weaving has his hand on on Robert Sheehan's chest and is like clearly threatening him and Robert Sheehan is being so dumb. And he knows that the the railing is loose. Yeah, Yeah, and he is – even if it was somebody that you knew and like who was a big hero in your society and you thought you trusted – 
after all of that and this girl woman has just said ask him about what happened to Hester Shaw and all this stuff before flinging herself off there you'd think there might be just a little hint in the back of your mind that maybe you should lie to this guy about what just happened yeah maybe just just a little like hmm, maybe I should save myself first yeah. he has no self-preservation instinct no whatsoever. he really doesn't and he just gets shoved off which by the way also both of them fine after that they get a massive drop and like thrown out of the city somehow and they're both fine and they somehow make it through yeah with barely a scratch as with every single thing in this movie (laughs) everybody who's not making a self-sacrificial play dies yeah like the only way that you can die apparently is to sacrifice yourself in this movie Mm. (sighs) if you're otherwise (laughs) otherwise you're fine um yeah which is, happens to all of like Anna and almost all of her diverse crew, which mm. was like, really, you're going to kill off all the people of color in this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, uh, I think only Dreadlocks survives, as far as I can tell, from those. Oh, and the his, no, his, there. he has an Asian co-pilot who survives as well. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, the, 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 it did not escape my notice that everybody in like on their side of the wall is all white. And everybody who is non-white in various, like all the POC from like all these different races are on the other side of the wall. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, okay. So the other side is like this completely like multicultural city and you've got just the white people on big traveling cities. Yeah. And Colin Salmon. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like Colin Salmon gets to be there too. Uh, Yeah. It was it was so noticeable, you know. Mm. You're like, this is the future. Is that still really the like, case? Yeah, is London like 1,200 years from now still going to be like this? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that was the other terrible reference the to Twinkie? modern times. Yeah. yeah. The food of the ancients is indestructible. Yeah. I'm also surprised that there was any scenery left in the city to display after Hugo Weaving was done chewing all of it. <laughs> <laughs> he was very big in this. Yes. Maybe he was just trying to make up for the fact that everything else was sort of not quite working. And so he was like, I will hold this together through, through sheer force of will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, it's hard because everybody else is not quite playing to that. No. Except for his the, the woman with the bob, his sidekick lady. Oh, yeah, haircut. I don't actually know what her name was. The silver haircut lady. Yeah. Because um, the girl who plays his daughter is very weak. Mm. The, the blonde girl, Kate. Mm. Um, when she's with that irish kid there's nobody on screen that's like holding your attention at all Mm. both of them you just kind of glaze over yeah yeah (laughs) you know there's so and that's very much in contrast to i think um hera hilma who played hester does quite a good job Mm. um and robert sheehan is always delightful even though they give him the most boring parts to play so often i didn't i I knew who robert sheehan was before this but he's luminous i know like his big blue eyes and his eyelashes and he's very much playing the girl role as yeah. well like he's often the damsel in distress and um, also carrying the idiot ball yeah yeah a lot of the time and just blurts out these things that you're like surely so you didn't see misfits no okay no, I saw misfits. the um so robert sheehan kind of came to prominence in the tv show misfits where he played i have to look it up because i can't remember the character's name nathan uh-huh and like nathan was such a big character right like he's Mm. really abrasive and brash and wild and annoys everybody but everybody loves him and robert sheehan has never gotten to play anything that good since Mm. and he deserves it he's great but he keeps playing and he keeps playing roles like this and like 
in this movie, Tom is supposed to be a teenager. Yeah, yeah, they both are. They aged them up. Clearly, because yeah. Robert Sheen has, was, I think, a teenager when he was in Misfits, maybe. Mm. But he's five. He's 30. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, did. like, being 30 doesn't work for this character, really. No, he's a bit, still a bit too, like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Um, that, that was where I noticed some things as well, where they've aged them up in sort of strain, like where she was supposed to be 15 in the books, but she's like 22 or 24 here. Mm. And so some of the time jumps don't quite work Mm -hmm. and you'd think she'd have done a bit more, you know, in the time since she became an adult kind of thing. I I get why they did it because it's easier to shoot with adult actors and all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. And it also makes them technically not YA, I guess. But, yeah. He also seems to have very good aviatoring skills. Like he doesn't need much instruction at all all so it's kind of like he already studied this thing quite a bit yeah so why did you stop like yeah if he hadn't started i totally get it because presumably even in this future it's like hard and expensive to become a pilot or whatever but But he's like so he just he can just do it yeah there's this kind of hints about him being like from the lower decks Mm -hmm. and therefore not as good but then the Thaddeus is like, oh, I knew your parents. Yeah. So clearly they were somewhat. Oh, well, I assume so, they're meant to be like 20. He's actually meant to be playing like 23, 24. Okay. But, but the, yeah, all of that stuff doesn't tie together in this movie that maybe the way that maybe it would in the books. Like if his parents died when he was a kid and then he had nothing and so he had to end up working down in the lower decks with the Irish guy mm. and then built himself back up on the legacy of his parents being historians and that's how he got the historian job Mm-mm. that ties in yeah if he was doing aviation at the age of i don't know like 16 or 17 well enough to be able to fly a plane and then his parents died and then like we don't get any understanding of how come thaddeus knew his parents but also he was like a lower decks kid yeah. that doesn't right and- there's no way that works well because there's classism in his interaction with that guy who's supposed to be evil. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm so posh and snobby. Yeah, And yeah. you're like, yeah, but this guy also seems posh and snobby. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't – the implication is that yeah. he isn't posh and snobby and that he's working class. Yeah. But all of the other stuff seems to imply that he's actually posh and – how does it work? Yeah, there's got to be some something in there about, like – the great tilt happened and therefore like there was less need for aviators because they, and they cut the program or like, maybe there's something like that there, but we don't know because it's not. Um, great tilt. Sounds funny. I know. <laughs> but yeah, we don't, we, we don't, don't know. And there probably is a backstory there. Yeah. Um, but again, they're trying very hard to kind of give us minimal backstory to keep the story ticking along. Right. But I mean, yeah. And that's the thing is that because we don't get that backstory and we don't understand how the world works, it never feels real. Mm. And so because I think everything is sacrificed to this desperation to, you know. Really kinetic sort of fun to watch movie. Yeah. Right. And and they just sacrifice anything that gives you any investment in it. Mm-hmm. In the characters and in the world. And it, it these are characters that are clearly beloved and could work really well. But like even with Hester, you're kind of like, and again, you know, this is partly because of the change in her looks and stuff. But it's kind of like, how did she get to be this person? Mm. Like that's so distrustful of everybody and all that sort of stuff. Because literally in it seems like the only interaction that she's ever had with the world is she got scarred and then she was raised by a Terminator and didn't see any humans for ages. Yeah, yeah. Well, she she was raised in this like environment of horrible domestic violence. 
which she was then then she got the, that's how she got the scar but well no but she wasn't right like there wasn't horrible domestic violence until that night until that night she was having this lovely idyllic life with just her mother and the father well, no, would come but he in would and, come in and but he never kind of be, he never hurt her or anything True, like, it was implied that. to be very idyllic before that it was implied to be he came along and everything but, was nice yeah. and clearly she, there's there's a lapse like she the terminator guy found her eventually no right after is it, right he she she comes out of it she walks for like a couple hours she collapses she's still bleeding from the cheek uh-huh. and he picks her up out of that and saves her and she has no other interaction with humans until like six, six months, months ago. before this movie started so why is she so jaded yeah <laughs> like and and her interactions with shrike are weird yeah but, but like not, he's not not bad to her right yeah so she, and yet she's so kind of jaded and hateful of people and all this other stuff is mm. going on. It None of it ties together that in a way that makes sense yeah. for where the characters are in this movie. Mm. Also, I think I do think Shrike is the other most – like Anna Fang and Shrike are the most kind of interesting. memorable, interesting yeah. things. Shrike is so interesting mm-hmm. but also feels like something from another movie. Yeah. There's nothing in this movie that's anything like Shrike. No, and why he exists. Yeah. Like there's no that that's a whole nother lot of lore. Um and that that's one that dips into Terminator. Um and I can relate to him because I know what the Terminator is like, kind yes. of thing. But that seems weird in this sort of steampunk world where the rest of it is, which is why I again I was getting a sort of ready player one slash whatever vibe because it just felt derivative. Like, and it like felt it's throwing everything throwing in. a whole lot of references metropolis like when i was when when that the smooth robot face thing was mm. i was writing down metropolis mm-hmm. because i was like oh yeah and they're just, they're just throwing all these references at you mm. and the fact that shrike kind of was once a human but yeah, was but put into Stephen a robot lang though in that performance which right. under mocap i assume is really really good he is and the way that shrike moves is so cool Yes. Like the sense of menace, they almost, I think they just didn't quite do enough with him because like that moment when he just pulls the rope and pulls this entire plane, mm. like, you know, down and can keep pulling that down when <laughs> the moment when he's walking through the airship and his head's just going through the thing and he doesn't care at all. He's mm. just destroying, yeah. completely shredding well, that, everything all that, around those him. Those Terminator bits were like so cool. Like where he's walking up the wheels that they walk up and they've struggled and he's like just walking. Yeah. So amazing. There's also the weird, like, the green lights. Yeah, that yeah. Pre- like, that precede him. Um, mm. that, like, they did it in the ship, the, the yeah. airship that was coming in. There was, like, green lights coming out of the front of it, and you're like, wow. <laughs> Just so, f- I don't know. It's silly. But yeah. he is, at least he's effective. Yes, he um, is. Although it, again, seems kind of like if Hester just kind of sat down with him and was like, hey, I'm in love with this guy now. Do you think you can maybe leave him alone? He'd be like, okay, instead of killing everybody yeah, to yeah. get to her. Or like a lot of or, people or are she sacrificed says something like, that. I was a small child when I made that promise and I quite like being human, you know. Yeah. Like it's not hard. Yes, exactly. Like he seemed to really care about her. So yeah. it's a very weird situation that she's found herself in that all these people have to die so she can escape from him. Mm, yeah. Also, it seems like that should be a twist that that was what he wanted from her but mm. like it's she just tells us that in exposition and flashback it's not a twist at all yeah. and that's a lot of this movie there's also the twist that Thaddeus is her father that you're like 
No, yeah. Did you not see them hugging? <laughs> like, come on. He's the only man that ever visited her and her mother. Yeah. He's yeah. so clearly her father. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Luke, I am your father moment is not a surprise. Mm. Stuff like that. I think there's another one as well that I was like, no kidding, that's the case. Like, really? <laughs> it's very clear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. When uh, the flashbacks first happened, I wrote, so he's definitely her father then. It's yeah. a note that I wrote. I didn't even bother writing it. I was like, oh, he's the dad. I also wrote Illuminati. Because <laughs> the eye, you know how it's yeah, the yeah, eye yeah, thing yeah. and it comes up so many times. Yes. And there's one moment when um, when Shrike is holding it between two fingers and it's here yeah, and it's yeah, a yeah. triangle with the eye in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like so many references, so derivative. <laughs> yeah. Terminator is also super loud. Shrike is like loud as hell whenever yeah. he shows up. Like, completely dominates the soundscape, which is already a mess. Yes, which is not very well done, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of lines that I wrote down that just because they're in everything. Yeah. That the, um, Where is it? Things like, my patience is wearing thin, and um, I thought it was a myth. And then there's a scene where Hugo Weaving and the old dude who's in charge of the city, I think. The mayor guy, yeah. Um, couldn't figure out what was going on half the time with them, but that's okay. They have an interaction, which literally I wrote down five lines from. Mm. I wrote down... He cuckoo controls this, controls the world. Is there no end to your ambition? You're a relic of a dying age. You're a dinosaur. What does that make you? The meteor. <laughs> That's all in one scene. Oh, wow. All of that is in one scene. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, I, the dinosaur meteor one was particularly fantastic. Yeah, it's so on. And it's it's like... You're a relic of a dying age. How many movies has that been in? I thought it was a myth. How many movies has mm-hmm. like it's so kind of there's no lines. And the thing about Star Wars is that it may it it has good lines. It has very simplistic lines that become classics. Hmm. Like it's got simplistic writing, but it's not like you've heard it a million times before. As this is simplistic writing that I've definitely heard it a hundred times before. There's a moment when Tom shoots Thaddeus. And as the historian that he is goes, your history. <laughs> oh, dear. From a plane. That he just can't even hear him. No. Wasting all of his um, his quips. And Anna's, it's funny because Anna's a really good. Yes. Like when she says, I'm late for church, it's great. Amazing. And when she says, I don't do subtle, it's great. Mm. Because we know now that she doesn't do subtle. She's in a big red plane, always wearing the red coat, you know, and shooting everybody in the face. Yeah, she, yeah. Like she's... Definitely not subtle. Yeah. All of the actors, by the way, who played her like team of plane of, of ragtag bunch of ragtag pilot friends bunch of yeah. pilots were cast, I think, because they look cool, because none of them were good actors. <laughs> not one. Or if they were, they were not given yeah. a chance to well, show. They it. were available slash in New Zealand. <laughs> slash pretty. Yeah. Because they like a lot of especially Dreadlocks guy is mm. so pretty. Mm-hmm. And then he opens his mouth and you're like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're not talented she's great though she's a um mm. k-pop star oh right yeah god she's and good. i've got to remember her name now jihei jihei yeah it. like that charisma she just eats the camera loves her it does and i love the way she kind of can be like completely stoic with most of her face but just her mouth is giving away how she feels was very cool mm. um she has a very distinctive kind of way of talking and stuff that mm. worked so well for this character yeah plus that hair and 
She's so dreamy. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> and also noticed that she's at one point she's in like this tank top and doing all this stuff in the plane. And I was like, good thing she's got razors to keep those underarms nice and shaved because you wouldn't want to be ugly in a post-apocalyptic world. God forbid anyone neglect their body hair maintenance routines. <laughs> yeah. Because the rest of the time everybody's so covered up that you don't notice no, it. No, right. And at that point and then... she's like flicking switches. And yeah. you're like, wow. <laughs> oh, dear. <sighs> Death yeah. Star gun turrets. There is some new, there is some interesting stuff on the other side of the Great Wall of China, mm. which is not what that wall is called, but whatever, you know, metaphors <laughs> that like I was almost interested in because, you know, one of the pilots is praying to the Medusa thing. Mm, yeah. Like the Medusa is a god. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's implied early in exposition, but I just kind of missed it. Yes. Also, <laughs> the c- crash drive has USA. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Puts it in the M-E-D-U-S. Oh, my God. Was it called Medusa? Just so you could do the USA thing, guys. Was yeah. it? Probably. Oh, that was funny to me. Yeah. Um. I mean, we all knew that that was in there, right? Like, we all knew that she had to have the crash drive if yeah. she also had the – her mother had, was the one who gave Thaddeus the – Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, and she opens it for the first time when she's, whatever, 22. Like, you never thought to open that? She didn't have it. Shrike had it. Oh, he kept it. He picked it up out of uh. – when he picked her up, he picked that up and he, she never had it. So he only gave it to her in that scene where he's dying. Right. So she didn't get to open it because she didn't okay. have yeah, okay. it. <laughs> There's a couple of other weird things. The Chinese head of the, the, the wall, people. wall people says they're unleashing hell on earth. And I was like, well, it's a good thing they have some sort of religious system that recognizes heaven and hell in well, this uh, post-apocalyptic China-based society. I was like, they're unleashing hell on earth. What has? What do you think this is? Like that you basically on one side of you is just a wasteland where people drive around in giant cities. Like, guys. Yeah. It's funny because it, it almost, yeah, the wasteland element of it is kind of lost a bit. Yeah. It doesn't. Well, it's all very. Don't quite understand. It. It's all very confusing, and the you know don't go south, and like, it, it, yeah, because everybody from the south is bad for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know, and it, it isn't very clearly explained. Like, what has life been like on the wall up until that point? Surely they can see what's going on right in front mm. of them. Like, and it's it probably edging ever closer. Yeah, Tom had plenty of time to go get a cool jacket before saving the world while everybody's waiting for him. Yeah, like literally thousands of lives are at stake and he's like i have time to go and put on a cool jacket first <laughs> and the the first thing um hester's See, like he really does play the girl role yeah hester's like look i have this crash drive and his first question is where did you get that and you're like it's who cares move that's not the most important thing here yeah no, they have like six minutes yeah. to get from there to the to the moving city just go talk about that on the way I also made the comment, it always stops at one on the show because literally the countdown yeah. stopped at one. <laughs> they didn't even go for like three, you know, just to give it, no, one. Yep. In fact, after one, so long after one that it would, it would have already gone. Yeah. And also I did the countdown and <laughs> so it was 45 seconds, yeah. right? And I started doing the countdown and when I was finishing it, it was like, and now there's 30 seconds till this blows up. And I was like, oh God. Yeah, I, I find that I um, often inaccurately count seconds, so I didn't do that. Um, Even if you do, that's much too big a margin of error. Uh, Hester facing off against Thaddeus and going, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I believe you. And I'm like, okay, so do it. Since when is Hester the type of person to hesitate when shooting exactly. somebody in the face? But of course, 
she's the hero, so she can't. And then at the very end of the movie, we have the moment where the woman says to the man, what do we do now? <laughs> that bit. Yes. Reese Witherspoon recently made a speech. Yeah, yeah. Com- yeah. We, yeah, we've talked about it before. Yeah. She talks about, what do we do now? Like, yeah, playing dumb. Yes. Which is what Hester doing the does thing. at the end of the movie. Yeah, so she's not the actual hero of the f- fucking film. Right, which is, I mean, anyway. Tom is. Even although he fortunately gets almost nothing to do in the major showdown, he's just in the plane flying around. But then he's the one who shoots Thaddeus down. So yeah, no, I don't think I think these are clearly her movies. But yeah, okay, I've I've gone through my notes. I yeah, I just didn't find this fun or enjoyable. I think it could have been. I really think that with Robert Sheehan and Hera Hilma in the leads, could have been something really great. Those two had good chemistry Mm. and a really good kept together you know like when they're on screen you want to watch it when anna fang's on screen you want to know what's happening when shrike's on screen suddenly the whole movie is cool because you're like oh my god stakes yeah (laughs) like he seems like he could actually do some damage of course he doesn't ever yeah but he seems like he could yeah yeah so i just didn't no think this was a good movie at all no i didn't really enjoy watching it all that much yeah whereas i didn't think it was a good movie but i did enjoy it quite a bit so that's that probably where that, that comes in. But, yeah, so what are you rating it? I'm going to say one and a half stars. Yeah. I feel like maybe the act, some of the actors are more Anna Fang does, but that's, like, as much the books. Mm. And it did make me want to read the book, yeah, which I might go and pick up now. go for three stars because it made me want to read the books and I thought it was kind of fun and it kept me entertained um, in a way that a lot of novel film ad- adaptations have trouble with. But, yeah, it isn't – I don't think it's original or um, – particularly like going to be groundbreaking like I'm sure I will forget within a week that I've seen this film Mm -hmm. but at the same time it wasn't you know it wasn't a terrible experience to actually watch it but yeah it could have been a lot better and I I do want to dig into the books now I mean I think I might have given it maybe two or something if it hadn't been for all the gross sexism and ableism around it but I'm taking some marks off of that because it's awful yeah fair enough Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.